interesting place, is it not? You know, you never know what is going to happen. And uh, sometimes life throws us a uh, curveball. You know, or something happens and you just go, where did that come from? And, and in my work with in different areas of life and our community and, and so forth, sometimes it is those things that just all of a sudden you get hit with and you're like, uh, where did that really come from that knocks you off filter? The hardest, the deepest, and maybe, of course, the furthest. And sometimes we need to realize that sometimes we need to almost expect the unexpected. In my work with people, and some of you, you know, that I've worked with, uh, we talk about how something is probably going to happen soon, maybe. We know with grief we can expect the unexpected around holidays. Thanksgiving and Christmas and the like, where just things aren't quite right. You know, uh, sometimes in my work with uh, addiction, uh, helping people to overcome that by freedom, I have noticed an observation that typically about day 25, again at about 50 to 60, and then we're going 90 to 100 days of uh, sobriety from something, something out of left field happens. It's nothing that they could have tracked prior to. And I tell them, I wish I knew what that was. I wish I could figure that out. I can't, it's above my pay grade in many ways. But I've learned enough over the years that sometimes if you can expect or be aware that something may be coming out of left field, when it happens, you're able to stand your ground. You're able to go, okay, I was kind of ready for this without being ready for this. You know, and, and the big life events, you know, when our teenagers graduate high school and go to college, we know there can be a time of just anxiety for them, or it may be a time of rejoicing because I'm done. Right, you weren't paying attention to me. I'm sorry. I, I was trying not to say your name this morning. I messed up. You know, forgive me for I have said, you know. It can be a time of either anxiety for mom and dad because if they're going away, they no longer can tell them what to do, how to do it, and keep track of the facts that they're not doing it. Or they are doing it. Or it can be a time of rejoicing. Yes. One more has taken off. And, and sometimes we need to see that. As we come to our passage this morning, we, we read what Paul says to the church of Ephesus and maybe the surrounding churches. He, he reminds us that we have a battle. So do not be surprised that there are troubles in this world. And sometimes, as you are growing in your faith, it is then that you kind of get walloped in some way. You want to know, have I messed up? Where is my faith anymore? I used to be okay. And I want to encourage you that to some extent you can expect things. 
And sometimes you fight new battles because of the help and the healing that you have received prior to. But sometimes you just need to expect. Why is that? Because we have an enemy, the thief, Jesus says, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And, and, and just because you come to know Jesus doesn't mean all of a sudden you're no longer a target. You're no longer in the battle. Coming to Jesus is not that quick fix. It's not the thing that if you just come to Jesus, life will just be better. Everything will be fine and things will continue upward until the day you reach glory and all is made new. Wouldn't that be nice? Though I've been in Christ for a while, that has not been the case. Some of you, because, you know, uh, whether you know it or not, we have a heavy contingency of 80 plus year olds in this church. It's wonderful. You know, I'm not going to name any names. There is always John Clutter, but there are some of you. There is always John Clutter. Um, oh, I love you, Ron. Is that right? No, okay. <laughs> now you do. <laughs> You know, uh, you know, but you know that just because you came to know Jesus, maybe even at a young age, life didn't just go hunky-dory fine. Life still happens. The rest of this verse that is on your screen, and those of you online, I'll, I'll switch off the screen so you can see the rest of the world. You know, Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life uh, to the full. Life abundantly, or life as it was meant to live. Which isn't just an a thing of who will have abundantly good relationships, abundant resources. It means sometimes you will experience life in all its ways to the With us. Salvation in Christ is a long-term commitment that has ramifications now, tomorrow, until the day when our salvation we see fully who Christ is. And if you think coming to know Jesus is just a small decision, or a decision you can make once and there is nothing else left, you've kind of quote-unquote secured your ticket, you may be surprised what happens. This is why Paul says, here in Ephesians 6 and finally, or as my final word to you, church, and this is my final word on spiritual warfare in, in this series, my final word to you, church, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. We must actively prepare and accept that. Even those of us who know Jesus must actively expect battle. Now I hope in the days ahead that uh, what is going on over in Ukraine and Russia can be solved peacefully and we don't end up in something pretty major. I pray that way. I hope that way. I hope we don't have a true war on our hands. But it doesn't mean I can't see that there is a spiritual battle going on all around us. And within me, to some extent. 
The battle isn't always out there. It is the struggle of my will versus God's will. The struggle, Paul would say, in other words, is the flesh versus the spirit of God. And he wants this church, as he finishes up everything he has said in the book, which I preached on back in 2020, which I realize most of you have forgotten what I preached on in 2020, and that's okay. Uh, I forgot, to some extent, what I preached on in 2020. You know, I got the notes. I could do it again. You know, but we got to be ready for this battle that is also within us. Because this armor of God that we're going to come up to isn't just what we need to do to fight off what is there. It is a realization of who we are and we must stand firm in Christ. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation, Paul said. If you read through and as we learned that if you are in Christ, you have been given spiritual blessings in the heavenly beyond compare. In Christ, you have the power of God there. In Christ, you have been gifted to do something. In Christ, you can stand against the devil's schemes. The way that he wants to steal your joy, steal your generosity, steal your humbleness, destroy your belief in better days to come. And maybe even to destroy and take away your faithfulness. You can, in Christ, say, no way enemy, you don't get the last say. Stand from everything in this chapter of 6 relies on the fact that we are to stand firm and stand in Christ. And in Christ alone. There's the first part of the battle. I've got to realize it's not standing firm in me. Not standing firm in, in my church. Not standing firm in a, a, a way of life, especially when it's contrary to the way of Christ. It is standing firm in Christ, and then standing firm in the power of Christ. The power of Christ, that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. So turn to your neighbor and say, you got power. Why did she laugh at you, Noah, when you told her she had power? <laughs> he told Dan, you got to tell your mom she had power. He didn't have power? Oh, uh, see, here's the beauty. I love what Noah's giving me here, and he doesn't even know he's giving me. You don't have to have a brain if you're in Christ to have power. You have the Spirit of God in you. Sometimes we got to check our brain out so we rely on the Spirit of God. Now, I'm not saying don't think. Because the Spirit of God will use our brains and our, our abilities to think through things in order to help. But sometimes we think way too much. And we've got to just stand in the power of Christ that is in us. Now how are we to do that? It is to suit up with the armor of God regularly. See, I said earlier that uh, uh, salvation isn't just a one-time, it's not just a short-term fix. 
There's this idea that Paul is saying, suit up with the armor of God, but continue to suit up. See, sometimes we can start to get a little bit lazy about this as we get older in our faith. I don't need to do that as much. You know what? I can rely on what I've heard before. And we forget that our task is, is not just something we put on once and then hope it's enough. We must continually come back to these things. We must continually come back to the idea that we need, as the armor will suggest to us, we need the belt of truth. The truth that is Christ and Christ alone. We need the righteousness that is the breastplate in place. The righteousness of not just who Christ is, but right living, which is at the heart of righteousness. Rightly living out life. We need to have our feet ready to pronounce the gospel, which is a gospel of peace, not a gospel of conflict and criticism and shame. Though sometimes it produces that. We need to take up again and again the shield of faith where we are reminded of the faith that is in Christ Jesus but also the fact that in Christ Jesus he will allow we, if we pray he will give us the strength to continue to be faithful until the end. As the book of Revelation says as I'm always reminded this time, if you're faithful unto God. Because then we will be reminded of our great salvation and the need of salvation, not just as a decision I made one time, though it must have a beginning, but my decision today to continue on in the path of righteousness and faithfulness and of salvation. No wonder he will say we need the sword of the spirit or the word of God to remind us of those things each and every day. So we have this suit, and I want us to remember it is a gift from God. You don't practice. You may start to nitpick. You may form it a little bit to who you are. But you don't craft this. These are gifts from Christ himself. And for those of you who will do the devotions, and those of you online have yet to get those on our website, but they will be there, um, Lord willing, and I remember uh, later, many of these attributes of the armor of God is picked up on as the armor of who the Messiah was going to be from Isaiah. And so there are things in your devotions of Isaiah 11, um, Isaiah 59, 52 is in there, 59 may not be in there, maybe it is, 49 is in there, I could have put 59, I didn't, but this idea of these, this is who the Messiah was going to be, <coughs> which is really interesting, maybe Paul had a whole lot more in mind with this. But I believe there is, to some extent, we need to see maybe a twofold thing. When it says, take up and stand firm in, with the belt of truth around your waist, 
We need to realize if we are in Christ, Jesus is the truth that can be around our waist. Then we need to be reminded of the truth of who you are in Christ. Not just truth objectively of what is right and what is wrong, though that is part of it. Tucked within this book, Ephesians 6 is not just about a the battle out there, but the truth of who you are. Is that not one of the worst things our enemy does to convince us as a believer in Jesus that we are something other than who Jesus says we are? And then we act it out. But what Paul is saying here, remind yourself with who Jesus is, the truth of Jesus. The reality is, is, friends, we must work this out. These gifts can be given, but if you don't ever work them out, if you don't ever put the armor on, you cannot stand firm. Period. You will get yourself in trouble. And if you don't get yourself in trouble, you will find yourself in a battlefront that you are ill-equipped and prepared for. And see, if we are truly, as what Paul says, we do not need to worry about that. Here's what Paul said in Philippians 2. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. This isn't a fear and trembling of, of, not, of inaction. This is a fear of trembling of the fact that because of who Christ is, we don't just get to sit down in a pew and think we're all okay, and just because Christ is going to make all things right in the world, I can sit and do nothing. He says, because of, if you understand who Christ is, you're not going to want to sit, you're going to want to stand up, to stand firm, to show people that there is something greater in this world than what can be seen. And if we aren't careful, not just as believers, but as church organizations, the people of God, we can understand God's sovereignty so much that we get to the point where we sit down and just hope he works it all out someday, as we know he will. But Paul would have none of that. And neither should we. Because if you have the power of Christ in you, it is not a power to sit down and just do things the way it's always been done. It's about doing something and going, okay, oh Lord. That's why you think he says time and time again, pray, pray, with all kinds of prayers. Keep on praying, persevere in prayer. If the more we pray, the less we will just sit. More of them, yeah. Jesus went to pray to be refreshed, but then he went out as well. The fight, I believe, throughout all of this is for the gospel of Jesus. This isn't that he goes on to say it's not against flesh and blood. We must remember this is that trying to emphasize and probably have uh, quite a bit, but the fight is for the gospel itself. And people to respond to the gospel itself. That's why we must pray. That's why it's never gone off our list. And, and Lord willing, while I'm here, it will never go off our list that we are praying for the unsaved friends, family, neighbors, enemies, and anyone else who want to put there. Because if we forget that's why we exist, 
I don't care how great a teaching we have around here, but if we do not remember the gospel, is is not just for those of us who know Jesus, though it is. And we must grow in that gospel. But if we cease to realize it is for those who have yet to ever recognize a church need, we miss it quickly. We might as well lock the door up because we've missed it. The fight is for the gospel. That's why Paul would say in other ways, I believe it is uh, Romans, we no longer see each other from a worldly point of view. Uh, it's Corinthians. I think ambassadors of Christ. But we see them through the eyes of Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, my first battle and struggle is to see you as Jesus would see you. He said, I come to seek and save the lost. I gotta see them with the eyes of Jesus when he said, I wish I was a little hidden that I could wrap you around, but you have been unwilling. I have had eyes to see that in this battle of the gospel, it's not just the flesh and blood that's in front of me. It's for the spiritual souls of individual nations. And then I will see why I need the word of God. I need the word of God. In this, you know, Reformation Sunday, I really like Baptist, and so as someone pointed out, not many people are wearing red today. I said, that's okay, we're Baptists, we're not Lutherans. You go to the Lutheran church, and all of them are probably in red, okay? Uh, because of Reformation Sunday, you know, that's what they choose to pick. I'm sure there's a tradition with that. Uh, I don't know that tradition of Baptist. Uh, you know, but but we realized that one of the great things of Luther, Smithy, Calvin, and others of the Reformation said, "Word, the Scripture alone is our God." Now, what they didn't mean was that you just write Scripture and you never got in the community with one another. You never had teachers who had greater knowledge. You didn't look for the church to help. But what they were saying is, push come to shove, you've got to stand on and stand under the word of God as the authoritative word of life. And I think in this battle we have forgotten some of that. Not because we don't know scripture. I look around here, we know scripture around here. We have a history of faithful men preaching from this area of the church of the scriptures and, 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 and rightfully interpreting scriptures. But when we read scriptures, we realize there is more to do than just gain knowledge. There is more to it than just that. Our lives ought to look differently. This breastplate of righteousness that we are to put on is not just the righteousness in, in Christ that we have, but it's also the fact that we, as the people of God, ought to live righteously in the eyes of God. Leviticus. Do you ever do school in Leviticus? Yeah. What chapter? 26. 26. Get close. Almost there. Why is Leviticus there? I mean, there are some crazy laws in Leviticus. And I'm not saying we need to keep those things today. I think they had a time and place. But one of the things that time and time again as I read Leviticus, and I'm one of, one of the reasons added on your list, Jordan, add this to the list of why I'm strange, okay? 
Got it? I know you have a list of why I'm strange. Do what? My three brains is one of those. That's a different story. You know, she can take it. But one of the things that makes me strange is I enjoy the book of Leviticus. When I read through the Bible straight through, I never get tired of in Leviticus. It's typically numbers that gets me. You know. Uh, but Leviticus, I'm like, yeah. Why? Because time and time again, I'm reminded that God says, why? I am the Lord your God who chose you and brought you out of Egypt. In the book of Genesis, he said to Abram, Abraham, he said, you will be a light to the Gentiles. The nation of Israel would say, you was God, I'm going to synthesize all of Leviticus. Sorry, Jeff, you know, but in, in about five seconds, I will synthesize all of Leviticus. It's taking months to get there. God says, you're my people, and I want you to show the rest of the world what it looks like to live in right relationship with God. Which means you live differently. And if I'm your God, I'm just going to be more than five seconds, two minutes. You know, and if I'm your God, I get to tell you how to live. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you profess that Jesus is your Messiah, then your life must be different. There are things that are off limits. Not because they are evil or bad necessarily, but because they are not fit for the people of God. Period. We need to regain that. And we move on. We must have persevering prayer, for it is essential. This isn't just Paul isn't talking about prayer, that just you, you pray once and you hope it gets done. This is a continual praying, uh, whether it's on your knees, on your face, on your back, standing up, sitting down, it doesn't matter. But persevering in prayer will be essential. We know this is a church. We must continue on in our faithfulness to persevere in prayer every single day. Day. Because if we don't start to pray, we will forget to put on and on. And before we know it, something has knocked us off. That's why we pray and we pray for one another. One of the things I love to hear from you all, you all are good to me and my family in many ways. But I love hearing when you say, Pastor, I'm praying for you today. And most of you know my response is, I need all the prayers I can get. In many ways. You know, as I received that phone call this uh, Wednesday about what was going on in our community, or that group that was here Wednesday, say, I will be praying for you today and the next day. That's, I mean, that's the only reason I could get up at 6.15 in the morning and be ready out the door by quarter to seven. All right. And, and sit there with, with students and staff to be present with them just to say you're not doing this alone. And the text messages that came the next day at about 6.52 when Shannon said, I'm praying for you today. No wonder Paul says, pray for me that I may boldly, fiercely proclaim the gospel for which I am a pastor. And I'd like to declare fiercely we pray for the gospel that's sick. 
not my will, but not this church. But we pray. And then we keep standing for God. We keep watching. We cannot become content and lazy. For there's too much at stake. Jesus said over and over again in the Gospels, keep watching. Be vigilant in your watching. Be prepared. It's not just be prepared for his coming again, but be prepared for every opportunity to proclaim the gospel. And it's not whether you are a pastor or not. Every one of us is called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Some of us are called to be pastors and teachers. So church, in this battle that we are in, one, may we be reminded, we are in this battle. But when we stand firm in the power of Christ, the power of Christ that created the world, we can do, as I've said many a times, um, over my years in ministry, we can storm the gates of hell when it's worked out. The way they will not overcome. The problem is, many times in my life and in your life, we try to do that in our own power. So I ask, I appeal to you, submit to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care if it's the first time you find us, I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to trust this God who loves me enough to give me faithfulness, to give me truth, to give me righteousness, to give me peace with him and with others, to give me this faith and this salvation and this spirit that I so desperately need. I will submit the first time, or maybe the one millionth and one time. Because if we stop submitting, we stop standing. If we stop standing, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But when we submit, we have life. And life to the fullest. We pray for you. Father God, I thank you for this time. Lord, I ask that you would continue to help us to submit. Lord, if there is someone watching or, or here this morning that needs to submit for the very first time to uh, your gospel and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be found in Christ. This is my starting point in Christ. As I work it out for the rest of my life, that they would do so. Maybe someone needs to submit into uh, church membership or into baptism or submit to the calling that you place, whatever that calling may look like. Maybe it's the full-time ministry or mission service. Or to be a teacher in our public schools. Or the calling that you're saying to go across the street to the neighbor. Say you are loved by Jesus and by me. Whatever it is, maybe submit. Maybe we need to submit to being intentional and growing in your word. But above all, may we stand guard in your mighty power. May we submit to the fact that it is not about us, that it is about you. On this Reformation Day, for the word alone, for Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, by grace alone, and in faith alone, we will do those things. And so we'll be thankful. For that reminder. But we thank you that you are our mighty God. 
but you are also our friend who will walk with us on this journey. We never go alone, for you are there to sometimes gently and sometimes not so gently lead us on this path. And so Lord, we thank you that you are not only a, a tremendously large and big, awesome God, but you are also personal and near that we can say, one friend we have in Jesus, that you know our cares, and that we can submit to them, to you, and we will not forfeit the peace and love and care you have and provides this day and always. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as you are able as you sing this?